Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this opening worship for our virtual summer school of 2020. You've probably received an order of service by email, and some of you may like to keep that beside you. We are recording this service and all the theme talks during the next week. You can turn your camera off if you'd be more comfortable with that. You'll notice that the chat box isn't active and that you're muted. The chat box will be opened at a particular point during the service. And when it is, please avoid the temptation to use it just for conversations. We're not expecting any unwelcome visitors. Everyone who's here is welcome. But the members of the summer school panel are on hand to deal with anything unpleasant. You should be able to get subtitles for this session. If you're on a laptop, look at the bottom of your screen and there'll be a button to press. Please bear in mind, they're automated live subtitles and they only promise about 80% accuracy. So if the subtitles say something absolutely outrageous, it was them, not us. When we release the recording of the service, the subtitles will be even more accurate. After the finishing music, we invite you to leave in your own time. After each of the theme talks next week, there will be an opportunity for discussion. But tonight, we will simply hold the space quietly and then close the room when the chalice has been extinguished. So let us now settle into a time of gathered worship. We do not gather in the way we imagined we would, but gather we do. Where people meet is where the spirit is, and where we meet now is here online and so the spirit of love and life the spirit which some of us call god is here this gathering is not less because we are physically apart let us refuse to mourn what could have been and let us celebrate what is this gathering this time of worship this beginning of a week of connectedness and spiritual development. And you are welcome. You are more than welcome. You are needed here. Without you, without everything that you bring this evening, without everything that you are, this gathering would be less. This community, this evening's community is perfect. Whether this is your first taste of summer school or whether summer school is part of your yearly routine, you are so very welcome. So let us take a moment to be here. You may like at some point to flip through your screens and look at everybody's faces and take note of those people who share this time, this space, with us.
let us settle into worship. Let us know ourselves welcome. Apart in body, we gather in spirit. Amen. And so we light our chalice. This particular chalice comes from the Nightingale Centre in Great Hucklow, where we might, under other circumstances, have gathered this evening. This chalice will be lit each evening next week and will burn throughout our theme talks. We light it to bring ourselves into the spirit of community, of worship and of strength and power. We light it to know ourselves as one, to make our scattered homes one sanctuary. We light it in recognition of our need for light, our yearning for warmth and our loving to be together. By its light, may this time be set aside for that which we value most. Our chalice is lit. Amen. It's so good to be here. This reading is from my sermon that I delivered in 2011 um, at, uh, at uh, the chapel there in Haklo. There's a scene in the trilogy of books that make up Doug Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in which Zephod Beeblebrox, a one-time president of the galaxy, has been tried for some unforgivable offense against someone and is sentenced to be put in the total perspective vortex. In Adam's words, the total perspective vortex uh, illustrated to those who put in it um, that in an infinite universe, the one thing sentient life cannot afford to have is a sense of proportion. Some days I know I feel like I've stumbled into that sort of vortex. And gaining total perspective, well, it's not necessarily a helpful thing. The world is reeling. Merchants and shop owners may spend years trying to recover from their losses, and families who lose their homes may never truly recover from the trauma. Underlying all of this is the financial crisis, and then there's climate change. And then there are wars that are never ending and the ongoing loss of sweet, precious lives. The total perspective vortex. We might just well call it the news or social media. Every day, there's some tragedy from around the world that is peering out of our screens, speaking from the photos on the front pages of the papers, 
the voices of the lost and the dead whispering in the static behind the smooth voices of the presenters on Radio 4. Gaining total perspective is not a helpful thing, especially when our own resources are so small and the problems are so often insurmountable and we do not and and so often we do lack perspective but i have long known that though we can feel worn down by the enormity of the problems and i've known that we are not well served by calls to be committed and to get to work on the issues as we are by instead attending to where we are drawn to the work by our hearts. Instead, when we hunger for what can be and then getting engaged, being involved then isn't a matter of forcing ourselves to do something, but rather it is stepping into what is right and what makes sense and what is good for us and good for the world. Here ends the reading. Let us enter together into a time of prayer and reflection. You may like to turn your camera off for a moment. You may like to close your eyes or to soften your gaze. You may like to shift your position slightly to settle into comfort, aware of where you're sitting how you're breathing, how your body continues to support you as we enter into a time of the soul. Let us turn our minds and our hearts to that which is most sacred to us, most central to our essential being. What we name that will differ, and that does not matter. We know ourselves where and what it is, and now is time to turn there. Let us acknowledge its place in our lives. Here, in this place set aside from the run of the week, with these people gathered in sacred community, let us allow ourselves space and time to be with that which means the most to us. And let us pray. Friends, there is work to be done. There is truth to be told and there is courage to be gathered. 
And that work is to be done by us. That truth is to be told by us. That courage is to be gathered by us. And friends, that terrifies us. Because this world is hurting. And we who live in it are hurting too. At times, perhaps even we fear that the end is indeed nigh. In the quiet, dark hours of the night, perhaps we wonder exactly what we're witnessing. There is despair. People are hurting and there is such injustice and we meet new threats seemingly every day. We are living through things we would not have believed possible had someone told us about them a year ago. Just for a moment, let's sit with the discomfort of that knowledge. And let us pray that that very discomfort may spur us to act because the work must be done and we are called to do it. When we speak truth, we speak hope and we speak healing. And we can speak truth. So let us not ask to be fearless. Let us ask, ask to be courageous in the face of fear. Let us not ask for ease. Let us ask for grace in the face of discomfort. Because grace breeds courage. Let us pray that in these next evenings of gathered community, we may nourish and be nourished by the courage and grace of those around us. Let us ask that we may feel ourselves to be one strong body with the courage and the grace of multitudes. Let us feel the spirit of life, the strength of love, and the presence of that which some of us call God moving amongst and around us. And let us draw from it all that we need to do the work that we are called on to do. There is work to do. There is truth to speak.
and we are called to do that work and to speak those truths. Let us honour that call. Amen. And now we invite you to spend a few moments in quiet, either the quiet brought about within music or in actual quiet, if you prefer to turn your sound down, sitting with some words which encapsulate summer school to us. The words should appear soon. You may like to ponder all the words, or you may like to pick just one that calls to you and to sit and taste it and experience it for these next few moments.
in addition to seeking truth and finding truth, there is facing truth. An unremitting readiness to confront the facts can prove unsettling. There are truths that we would rather ignore. Truth about ourselves, our inherited assumptions, our backgrounds, our partners, even our cherished ideologies. But the mission of Unitarian Universalism remains to come together and, fortified by the nudges and embraces of our companions, to stand tall and face whatever harsh truths existence delivers. There is more. Speaking the truth is also an imperative for free thinkers. Telling the truth is more complicated than either lying or remaining silent. We belong to a legacy of prophets who assailed the social and theological orthodoxies of their day. We can come to know the world as a paradise when our hearts and souls are reborn through the arduous and tender task of living rightly with one another and the earth. Generosity, non-violence, and care for one another are the pathways into transformed awareness. Knowing that paradise is here and now is a gift that comes to those who practice the ethics of paradise. This way of living is not utopian. It does not spring simply from the imagination of a better world, but from a profound embrace of this world. It does not begin with knowledge or hope. It begins with love. Every single one of us has brought something here with us today and everything that we've brought is welcome. Earlier we offered you some words to ponder and we'd like now for you to offer us yours. Whilst we listen to our musical interlude, what we would love would be if you would find the chat box, which should be open soon, and each offer us three words telling us what you yourself can bring to this virtual summer school whether you're just here this evening or whether you'll be attending every session or anything in between we will be sharing the words that you offer as soon as we can after this service
Whatever it is that we say about ourselves, the talk that we talk can only have value if we can adhere to it. Words alone are not enough. We have to embody these words and values into our communities. In talking about our Unitarian faith, Alfred Hall, author of Beliefs of a Unitarian, says, Unitarianism is not a system of creeds or beliefs. It is an attitude of mind, a fresh way of looking at life and religion. It lays stress on the reliability of the human mind to judge for itself. Its method is that of appeal to reason, conscience and experience, and above all to elemental principles of truth and right, which are implanted in the human heart at its noblest and embedded in the universe. And on a Unitarian website, we find the words D is for deeds, not creeds. Beliefs should be judged by their consequences rather than by how they conform to orthodoxy or trendy thinking. A worthwhile faith gives you strength to accept your responsibility to further the common good. The deeds that we do may be done on a personal level, or they may be done as part of our faith community. It is an essential part of being a Unitarian that we are in community with each other, that we are not isolated or on our own in our spiritual journeys unless we choose to be so. I have been reading a book called The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism by Andrew Harvey. One of the main ideas in this book is that if we live a life of faith, whatever that faith may be, then we must in some measure put our faith into action. We must in effect live by the tenets of our faith. It has given me some hope that we can move on together in spite of our differences as we grow and continue to change. It gives me hope that in spite of our differences, we can work together to help make a difference in the world today. May we be aware of those values that underpin this our faith in action journey. For when these things happen, it is then we realize that everything is possible and that we can live a life of greater integrity. The words of Reverend Gillian Peel. Good evening, friends to this celebration of summer school. In 2015, our summer school panel published a, select, a selection of collected theme talks. We called it 
a circle of seekers, sharing our insights, challenges and wisdom. It's a great title, isn't it? A great title because it describes exactly the hearts of seekers who over the last 25 years have made this pilgrimage to summer school. It tells us what happens when we arrive for this retreat for religious education and discovery. From Saturday evening's welcome in the peach room to the last epilogue in the old chapel on Friday evenings. We share stories, we discover new paths to wisdom, we embrace the possibility that the people and ideas we connect with will be transformational. Some of us gathered here tonight will be missing the rituals, the nightly silent walk to the chapel and back with our lanterns as the light fades. Our chance for open-hearted sharing and deeper listening in our engagement groups. The free Wednesday afternoon, which for some hardy souls means one thing, wild water swimming. So some of us gathered here are nostalgic, sad that a virus has stopped us in our tracks and reminded us with a jolt that we human beings are not in control completely. Yet I look out at the gallery of your faces on Zoom tonight with sadness, yes, but with joy too. I'm joyful that many of you who, for whatever reason, would never normally come to summer school are in this circle of seekers now, tonight. I rejoice at that, just as I'm joyful that our chalice, the symbol of our gathering as a Unitarian community, has its own Zoom camera. Summer School's mission is to feed hearts as well as heads. The two meet in the seeking and discovery of religious truths. Religious, not in an institutional or a creedal sense, but because the journey is about acknowledging truths that are universal and timeless. Here we are, gathered together, virtually to do that work of the spirit, to do the religious work of heart and head as we search for meaning and seek answers to life's ultimate questions. What is life's purpose? Who am I? Where do I belong? Where am I going? What's my relationship to the universe and the sentient beings in it? How are we as individuals and as a circle of seekers who embrace 
freedom, reason, tolerance, spirituality, and truth. How are we called to act in the world? These are our questions of ultimate religious concern. And naturally, these lead us to matters of discernment, how we judge what is true in an age where we can so easily feel overwhelmed with information and misinformation. Every one of us is called to make choices and assess swathes of information every day. Some of those choices and assessments won't matter in the long term, but some will. Some of those assessments and the choices that flow from them may have life-changing consequences for ourselves and our fellow travellers. In this global pandemic, we are required to make choices daily, even hourly, based on information that may or may not be true, but will almost certainly be partial. Those judgment calls have affected family, friends, work colleagues, the souls in our care, as well as people we have never met and shall never meet. If we have chosen to embrace a religious path, particularly a Unitarian one, what are the implications for our daily living? How do we discern truth? How do we decide ethical questions? How do we summon the courage to do what our hearts tell us is the right thing to do? This is the work we have committed to do together. And yet there are no books of rules or commandments set in stone for us. We just have each other. Our minds, our collective life experiences, shaping and informing our discernment of truth in our minds and in our hearts. For me, there's more. That something more is accepting the possibility of the transcendent, that force, that mysterious mind behind the universe that my Roman Catholic mother referred to as the mystery we cannot comprehend. We seek and discover tentative answers through the insights, challenges and wisdom revealed through being part of a liberal religious community who love the questions and are learning to live with uncertainty and with each other. We encourage each other to use tender and generous hearts and reasoning minds to find and speak our truths in love. We live and love with our joys 
and our sorrows, with our hopes and our dreams, sometimes realised but often dashed. We are the bearers of each other's failings. This makes for an imperfect, bruised and aching world. Too many human eyes will not see, too many human ears will not hear. There are children on the world's streets now dying of starvation. There are multi-billionaires who earn millions in 60 minutes and people who live in destitution in refugee camps. How, as a people of faith, recognising our interconnectedness in this web of life and believing in honouring the dignity of each person, should we respond to these injustices in the way that we live our lives? For me, wrestling with all these questions and finding working answers is at the heart, at the very heart of what it means to live a religious life. It seems an impossible task, doesn't it? Even to hope we can change the world. As Linda Hart reminds us, it sometimes feels like we're living in a total vortex. If what we understand and feel to be true has always been hard to discern, of course it's even harder now in an age when heads of state use Twitter to spread divisive lies and vitriol. Yet our religious convictions call us to try, to persevere to speak what we know to be true in our hearts and to find strength and courage to speak our truths in words and as Gillian Peel reminds us, in practical deeds of love. This is what our Unitarian forebears did, some paid with their lives. So as individuals and as religious communities we must surely find our ways to do that today. There are matters we call our heads and hearts to engage with in all of the five theme talks. But in an age where truth gets buried, is ignored, goes unheard, because we're awash with opinions and slippery claims. How do we begin this discernment? Here are my suggestions. An open-minded spiritual, as, as open-minded spiritual souls, we are used to living the questions. Even if that state of unknowing isn't always comfortable, we're willing to live with theological uncertainty, the me messiness of multifaceted truths. 
that's the trade-off that we make for not being hidebound by creeds and dogmas. And yet, if we are to discern what our Unitarian attitude of mind is, our fresh way of looking at life and religion, we need a sound theological basis. But it's not just a general response to the questions of speaking our truth in love and having the courage of our convictions that we look for. It calls us to look through a particular lens to discern our response informed by our own experience, the Unitarian theological outlook that we have chosen as our guiding light. For me, the starting point is the possibility that we human beings and all sentient creatures are part of a transcendent mystery that we cannot fully know. Born, we live, we die. We are tiny specks in a huge cosmos. I can't prove for certain there is a God. However, we understand that word. But I hold on to the possibility of a transcendent reality. That source of spiritual warmth in the cosmos of which you and I are part. That source offers us encouragement and hope in times of darkness. Like others, I find hope in the Unitarian Universalist Association principles. For me, deeply theologically grounded. The inherent worth and dignity of every person, justice, equality, compassion in human relations, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, the right of conscience and the democratic process, the goal of world community respect for the interdependent web of existence of which we are part. Do these not express the true spirit of transcendence which we can surely all embrace as we construct our own narratives of truth? Inspiring though these UUA principles are, however, they require us to work them through every situation and context. So is there, I ask, a more immediately accessible theological principle to help us when we need to be tough as well as tender? There is one which embraces all seven principles. It's the golden rule, the ethic at the heart of all true religion. Do not do to others what you would not have them do to you. Do not do to others what you would not have them do to you. 
as the first century Rabbi Hillel observed, everything else is commentary. But when we combine power, ego, and differing principles of truth, it gets more complex. Our human instincts are to lash out when we're hurting, to snipe back at that cutting remark at us. Ego takes over. We want to win the argument, domestic, political, theological. So what more do we need to help us on our way to speaking our truth with conviction in love? Two things for me, acknowledging how little we know and relearning ways of dialogue in the spirit of what Plato called communal meditation in order to make a place for the other. Ideals and practices worth nurturing, offering the possibility of tearing down walls, giving us ways of working with difference, challenging really fake news, not without anger, but with dignity and reverence, just as Barack and Michelle Obama did last week. That's the message I took away when I listened to Irene Monroe, a black lesbian feminist minister in the US Episcopalian Church. With humour and patience, she finds courage to reach beyond the discordant debate when she hosts her all revved up podcast with a black male conservative evangelical. Together, these best of friends model ways to work, model ways to talk about their very different positions. They verbally, she says, wrestle as they attempt to reach the movable middle and avoid extremes. The task Irene writes is to develop a theological language that speaks truth to our unique spirituality. It's not always easy to stand up when we know in our hearts a thing isn't right and say enough, enough. But if we are truly a circle of seekers of reverence for life, truth and beauty, we have to try, we have to persevere, finding inspiration in prophets, sages, poets, and each other. It's from these connections, words, inspiring courage, kindness and hope that we begin to find our own voices. I miss not having that little piece of Hucklow Paradise this week, but the vital work of spirit still calls us. So let's ponder our truth and seek to find the courage to speak it and to love to live it.
it begins with love. Amen. And now, friends, we invite you to join us in a song. Let's sing because we'll all be muted. Let's join in the singing of Peter Mayer's Blue Boat Home, often played at some <laughs> Oh 
Our closing words this evening resonate for Kate and me, and we hope with you. If we were in Hucklow, I'd be inviting you now to take the hand of the person next to you, or to hold your own hand. But instead, I'm going to ask you to switch to gallery view and look around at everyone gathered here in this virtual summer school tonight. And imagine us all with our hands joined. The hand in yours belongs to a person whose heart is sometimes tender, whose skin is sometimes thin, whose eyes sometimes fill with tears, whose laughter is a beautiful sound. The hand that you hold belongs to a person who is seeking wholeness and knows that you are doing the same. In our remaining time together and in the coming week, may our hearts remain open. May our voices stay strong. And may our hands remain outstretched. Amen.